I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadundi and Bububun people of Woodachup in the southwest Bujara region in Nungabuja, also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. This is episode number 56. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies and men's experiences of pleasure. And today I have the pleasure of chatting with Lauren White. She is a woman on a mission to help people feel sexually confident. Originally from Denver, Colorado, Lauren moved to San Diego in 2011 to pursue an MA in communication. At the age of 23, she became an adjunct professor teaching at colleges and correctional facilities in San Diego. During her time as a professor, she recognized a need for real conversations about sex and sexuality. Identifying as a sexually curious person and having a feminist studies background, Lauren left her position in the college classroom to pursue teaching to a global classroom. She prides herself on being very relatable, funny, and passionate during conversations that may normally be categorized as awkward with both men and women. When she's not having or talking about sex, Lauren uh, is an ardent explorer, having visited over 20 countries and 42 US states. She once sold all of her belongings and moved into a custom-built van in the pursuit of an uncharted adventure. She's a bit of an adrenaline junkie, she dances her heart out, and she has a uniquely close relationship with her family. And Lauren and I talk about what it means to be a sexually confident person and how you too can embody sexual confidence. I also ask her about what we can do to help boost our partner's sexual confidence as well as building our own. And you can find Lauren's work on Instagram at SheWolfLauren. And she's also got an Instagram page. Hopefully it's up. Uh, there was a bit of uh, an issue maybe with it being taken down, but she has another one called The Sex Den, which is a podcast and also uh, information page. And that's at The Sex Den on Instagram. Like I said, hopefully it's still up. Uh, this is a really enjoyable conversation. I've been uh, in contact with Lauren for several years now, just online. So it was lovely to get to speak to her face to face kind of online and had a really enjoyable conversation. So hopefully you enjoy listening. It is the teacher's duty to enlighten their students on the commonly accepted standards of sexual behavior. These sperm cells are carried through the tubes in a thick colorless liquid called semen and at certain times are expelled through the penis. Side effects include headache, flushing, upset stomach, and abnormal vision. To avoid long-term injury, seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. We'll dive straight into our conversation with an invitation. And my invitation is for you to share as much or as little about yourself, uh, about the work that you're doing, maybe why you're so passionate about it as well. I'd just love to learn a little bit more about you from from you as well because i've been following you online so it's nice to be able to actually hear from you directly what it is that you're all about so that's my invitation to you for a couple of minutes i'd love for you to share oh thank you well i accept your invitation with open arms and heart and yeah i'm excited because you know since you and i first connected which was a while i feel like it's been i mean it's been several years um my message has changed so much. I mean, I was talking then pretty exclusively about being vegan and fit and like, you know, embodying all of mother earth. And then I transitioned into doing more like sex work on OnlyFans, and then transitioned out of that and into what I do now, which is coaching, holistic sex coaching and sexual confidence coaching, as well as self-love and communication coaching. So, um, in my past life, which in the spirit world, that means like actual, maybe a past life, like ancestral, (laughs) but I actually mean like just a few years ago in this body, I was a professor, communication professor. So I got my master's when I was 23 in communication, was super passionate about it and really taught at a collegiate level and in different in inmate facilities as well, jails and things like that. And so I got really comfortable talking about uncomfortable things with different audiences. And so I realized that I wanted to expand that net. And I've always been passionate about sex and sexuality. 
my former partner and I were in an open relationship where I was able to explore all these wild fantasies that I had in my head that I didn't, I didn't even know that I had them until I started exploring sex clubs and swinging and orgies and threesomes and foursomes and blah, blah, blah. And so something just clicked for me and it basically became this, okay, well, I can teach people how to communicate about anything it feels like. So I'm going to merge my passion for sex and my passion for communication and sort of just create this business. And so I offer one-on-one coaching. I'm creating multiple courses at the moment. I had the sex and we'll see if it comes back, <laughs> but uh, eventually it will be a podcast. And so there's a lot in the works right now. And it's been a really beautiful journey. I'm so happy to be here and be speaking this talk, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I, um, yeah, I, I guess, uh, yeah, when we first, first connected, I, I was thinking back to several years ago and yeah, you were, you were kind of talking a little bit about sexuality and that's kind of why I was you know interested in the stuff that you were talking about. I was, I was on this kind of mission to connect with as many people as possible, I suppose, particularly in America as well. I recognize there's uh, like a vast array of people doing some beautiful work in the States. Unfortunately, not as many here in Australia. We're kind of getting there slowly, but surely a couple of us kind of popping up. Um, so I was really on a mission to connect and um, saw that you were you were posting about sexuality and, and being open about it. That was a big thing is like people just being open and honest and not putting up something that I see a lot is like people kind of putting up this facade. And, and I, I kind of was there myself, you know, I was putting up the spiritual guru kind of tantric master facade, which was okay like I kind of felt right for me but never really felt authentic um and so I was really resonated with the just the open honesty the rawness of what you were sharing which is really really beautiful so um yes yeah, so I'm, I'm keen to, to dive into a few things with you and and I guess the first one um that kind of comes to mind and and what I reached out to you for was like sexual confidence right I I love this um just the the conversation about having confidence and being sexually confident because it's kind of it, the way that I see it is is quite taboo and stigma to be confident in your sexuality, right? And regardless of what gender or sexual orientation you are, just to be someone who is like, who owns their sexuality and who's confident with it is seen as this like stigmatized taboo kind of thing. And um, and so I wanted to ask you about your own journey with sexual confidence and, and how you came to, to be a, a sexually confident human being. <laughs> yeah, that's a... I love the way you worded that. It was really beautifully worded because it is kind of taboo. And, you know, part of my personality is to kind of bullishly go into something without kind of realizing everything that comes with it. And so when I first started talking about sexuality, which you're right, I mean, the very beginning of my page, it was very much like I'm a sexual be. be- I'm a sexual vegan, basically. <laughs> like I was tying it with my diet, you know, and like the way that I eat. But Gosh, I mean, my sexual confidence journey is still a journey. I'm still in it, you know, and that's something that's so important is I I want to make it clear while I feel very confident talking about being sexual, while I feel very confident helping others talk about being sexual and where, what their sexual needs are, it's very much a journey. You know, the person that I was when I was in a relationship is different from the person that I am as a single person. Because when you're in a relationship and you're being slutty, you're still in a relationship. But when you're being slutty and you're single or you're sleeping with multiple people and you're single or you're exploring these sexual avenues single in dating, there is different stigma. And my sister and I just talked about it last night about the slut shaming that comes along with that and really questioning your own intentions. Like, am I doing this because I want attention or am I doing this because I'm just curious and I want to explore my body? So my sexual confidence journey really began early on because I was always super curious about sex. And so I had a very sex, sexual appetite from a young age. And looking back, it's almost like I knew that I was going to do something with sex because I remember telling my mom that I wanted to be a sex therapist. And that wasn't even a thing. Like I had, or it was a thing, but I had just seen somebody mention being a sex therapist. And it was like something clicked for me when I was, I think it was in maybe sixth grade. And so I always portrayed this. I portrayed sex. I had really long hair. I was very much like, I'm sexy. I'm sex. Pay attention to me. 
except I wasn't having orgasms. I wasn't having sex with people that I wanted to be. I was kind of doing all of these things to be sexy without actually embodying my sexuality. And so it wasn't until I became a part of the vagina monologues and became much more of a feminist and started to explore my own body that I realized, holy shit, it feels really good to love myself and to love my body. And so as my body confidence journey improved, my sexual confidence journey improved, and then it was like totally life-changing. I mean, I feel like a completely different person that I'm able to just express how I like to be pleased and also to just self-pleasure myself without any kind of shame or disappointment in myself. And I think that is something unique with people who have vulvas and people who have penises is when you have a penis, it's expected that you explore it. Like it's in all of our media. It's in all of our everything, basically, even our sex ed classes that like boys masturbate. You know, it's jokes, boys masturbate, boys play with their penises. We can't get them to stop. But that kind of language and conversation does not exist around female masturbation. And so, yes, I'm going on a tangent, but my journey continues. I just started getting into BDSM. I just started doing, you know, all kinds of freaky shit. I, I want to pick up where you um, mentioned about uh, sex education, the way that we talk about people with vulvas, people with penises, and what's kind of quote unquote expected of those um, you know, different genitalia and, and how we kind of talk about them. Because I agree, we talk about men, um, and I'll say men here as cisgender men, people with penises, um, and, and masturbating more often, right? And it's kind of, it's framed as okay for, for men to masturbate. And the, and I agree with that. But where I and the work that I've done have what I've observed is like the way that we talk about men masturbating is it's framed as a big joke. You know what I mean? Like it's, oh, guys, you, oh, yeah, I just had a wank or I just had a quick fucking had a snap or, you know, the, the language that's used. Yes, it's used more, more often than you know, what it is used for, for people with vulvas. But the way that it's used is framed as like really um, this kind of self-deprecating humor and it's like not um, – it's not full bodied. It's not pleasure oriented. So, um, so like that's, and that's where the conversation I'm trying to have with men is, um, is, is heading towards is like, let's keep talking about, you know, masturbation and sex and pleasure, but let's shift the way that we are talking about it. You know, instead of it being this really, um, kind of quality, uh, quantity over quality kind of mentality, uh, let's, let's shift it to be like, okay, cool. What do you actually experience pleasure from? Like, what do you, how do you express your desires? Like, what are you communicating about? Like when you're like, I always think of like locker room talk when I talk to guys about, um, and I, and I, I lived in America for a couple of years. I went to university over there and, and played soccer and was part of that kind of locker room culture. And the way that guys talk about their sexual experiences with, with women, you know, I was, I was predominantly, it was predominantly heterosexual where I was. The, the conversation was always like, yeah, I like, I like fucked her this good or I, like I made her come this many times or like I made her scream. Never like, never like, oh, like it was such a, you know, hard opening experience for me. I felt all this pleasure in my body. Like it was, it's always like performative and, you know, quality, uh, quantity oriented, like this many, this long, um, this, however much, you know, uh, orgasms or whatever it might be. So, the way that we talk about men's sexuality and pleasure is like for me has been the driving force behind the work that I do. I, w- I really want to like change the way that we're framing it because we are talking about it a lot. It's it's in media everywhere, but it's very detrimental, at least in the way that I've kind of observed and the way that I've kind of resonated with that language. So I was like, fuck, I don't want to talk about how many the, the, the size of the ejaculate that I had or how many fucking, you know, how long I managed to last. I want to talk about like how it felt for me and, and like where I was experiencing pleasure and how good the experience was for her. And, um, and so like that shift in language for me is like really important. Mm. So beautiful. That's really, really beautiful. I have to have you on to talk about that with my audience. I would just love to have that. Um, so in the way that you were describing that, I feel that there's something that I notice in a, similar context, which is this idea of being good in bed. I get so many people saying, I want to be good in bed. 
And I'm like, for who? Is it for you or is it for them? Is it performative? Because good in bed to me means people are experiencing a deep amount of pleasure. It means people are comfortable communicating their needs. And so if that's what you mean, I can help you, but I can't show you how to be good in bed because, but it is what you just said. It's the performance and the, especially for men, people with penises, I'm, I'm talking cisgendered men as well. It's, it's this idea of conquering. Like I fucked her. I took her home. I banged her. And you know, it's like always this, not always, but very objectifying, like object one fucks object two, and then it's over. And it's like, well, geez, our bodies just literally one of us was inside the other one. I mean, that's a pretty intense thing. It's a pretty beautiful thing. And so I'm so glad that you're talking about that because a lot of times we don't even know where the pleasure's happening in our body. It just feels good. And it's like, I had a conversation with somebody the other day and I said, when you get turned on, where do you, what does it feel like for you? And she said, God, I've never thought of that before. She said, well, for me, my hands tingle and my feet kind of tingle and I get warm. And I said, wow, that's not how I feel at all. And she said, really? I said, yeah, that's not what I feel. And she said, well, how do you feel? I said, I feel like an animal. Like I feel like I want, like I want to claw at the walls and like jump out of my, <laughs> jump out of my window. Like if I get super horny, I'm like, I'm like almost crazed. Like I, I like need it like an animal thing. And then we started to digest that a little bit more. And she said, well, that's so interesting because when I'm having a sexual experience, that's great for me. It's because I feel very haptic, like my hand, I'm touching with my hands. I like this very sensual touch. I like to be entwined with my partner. And I said, when I have really good sex, I kind of feel ravaged. And so we were having this education moment that we, I wasn't expecting to have that conversation. I'd never even thought about that before, but it's like, oh, wow, what I like in bed or what is good sex for me has so much to do with how I experience feeling turned on before the sex even begins. And the same for her. So it's like that kind of conversation about pleasure is so far away from the idea of like, how hard did he fuck you? Right. It's like, where did you feel the pleasure? And was it embodied? Was it great? Did you have like, yeah, like you said, heart opening. So I love that work that you're doing. I think it's so important. <laughs> and I really yeah, I, I appreciate get it. that I reframe it. as well. Like the reframe of like what like how to be good in bed. Like I love that reframe of being like, okay, it's about communicating your desires, you know, exploring pleasure together, being being open, being honest, you know, being vulnerable. And 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 that's yeah, it's essentially is kind of the work that I'm trying to do as well with guys. But but I know what it, I know what guys mean when they say I want to be good in bed, right? It's that very stereotypical. I just want to like I just want to fuck hard. I want to fuck long, and you know it, I want to be dominant, right? But what I don't know is what the stereotypical um, answer is for for women. Is you know what what does it mean in that stereotypical sense for a woman to be good in bed? Yeah, and I think it's there is absolutely a stereotype of what it means. It means you're great at giving head. You're great at deep throating and like making a guy really hard by giving head. Your pussy looks great. Like it gets wet when you want it to. It smells like nothing and it is pretty. Like you don't have large internal labia. Your clitoris isn't too big. You can ride dick like they do in music videos. So like, you know how to move your body and know how to make a man, how to please a man. You know how to do that with every single man you're with. And so I have, you would be so shocked by the amount of women. I didn't expect this at all. But once I started putting myself out there saying I coach, one of the main questions that I get is I don't know how to ride dick. I don't know how. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to teach you that. I mean, that's something that with your partner, it's like, I can show you what I do, but that feels good for me. You know? So it's the exploration. It's, I said, well, have you ever asked your partner? People will be in a conversation or a partnership for like 10 years and say, I feel like I don't know how to ride my partner's dick. And I said, well, 
have you ever asked them the way that they like it? You know, have them move your hips. And so it's this vulnerability too. Like we feel like we're just supposed to know what to do and that there shouldn't be any question about it. Like if you have to ask them, it means you're not good at it. Yeah. And so that is something that I try to break through is, okay, well, damn, if, and you know, I've actually had this experience before where I've been in bed with somebody and asked them what they like. And they've said after that's the first time a woman's ever asked me what I like. And it's like, well, shit, I want to know, or I'll say to somebody masturbate in front of me. Can, will you masturbate in front of me? So I can see like, are you this kind of guy? Are you this kind of like, cause there are so many different, are you this, <laughs> you know, like, what is it that you like? Because in my experience, just knowing how somebody pleases themselves is a great way to start, you know? Yeah. I love the idea of, um, of, yeah, of asking because like the, like sex is a skill, you know what I mean? Like we, you're not born, like I, I equate it as swimming, right? Like there's some, there's some instinctual element of like you are in the water, you flap your hands around and, and you try to survive. It's exactly the same with sex. Like we, we get thrown into it. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. It's just kind of like, okay, cool. I kind of understand that this bit goes in this bit and yeah, I'm going to just flap my arms around, smash our genitals together and hope for the best, right? Um, so like learning about your body and you said this before, like body awareness for your personal journey, like body awareness and sexual confidence or body confidence and sexual confidence was so like related. And that's, just, that, that's a huge part of the puzzle that I think a lot of people are missing. It's like, we very much orient, uh, and I speak specifically for, for men here and the men that I work with, we orient our pleasure, um, externally, like guys will, will forget about the experience that kind of they're having in their own body and validate their pleasure by how much pleasure their partner is having or, or looks looks like she's having, right? Because there's a lot of uh, story and narrative around women tolerating sex and just kind of putting up with the sex that you know they're having from, from guys because guys are supposed to know what they're doing as well, right? There's this kind of idea that you know men are supposed to be the dominant or the assertive partner um, in the bedroom and women are supposed to be the passive recipient partner right these old sexist stereotypes and and so because of that you know a lot of guys are, are kind of floundering not really sure what they're doing sexually a lot of women are not speaking up and saying hey i actually don't like that this is what i want uh, and so the sex ends up being pretty pretty shitty um so so but because there's this idea that like you know guys are putting pressure on their partner to experience pleasure because if he doesn't see her enjoying herself then he's like fuck i'm you know i'm not in, i'm not enjoying myself it's not a good you know experience um and so guys will outsource any of their pleasure to like what they see in front of them right so like the whole stereotype that men are more visual than women like it's a it's a you know it, it's a myth it's it's been debunked but you know a lot of guys will perpetuate that and you know condition themselves to experience pleasure by watching a screen in front of them or by watching their partner and if they don't see a certain thing, then they go, oh, well, I don't feel aroused because I'm not kind of vicariously living through this external stimulus. Um, so what I, what I share with men, and, and I think this is just a universal thing, is come back into your own body, like come back into your self-pleasure practice, come back into like, like the beautiful question, where do you experience pleasure? I do this really um, simple little exercise with people. I get them to draw a little stick figure of themselves and I say, look, it, you know, the only caveat with this exercise is you have to exclude your genitals. You can't label your genitals in this, but label two areas on that little stick figure where you experience pleasure, where you experience arousal, and then also label two areas on that stick figure where you experience anxiety and where you experience that kind of tension as well. And and notice notice why you've picked these areas. You know, have a, have a think about you know and a reflect on like where those anxieties come from, where those pleasures come from, and then share them with your partner. Get your partner to do the same thing. And have like a little conversation about where you're choosing on your body and like, oh, I didn't know that. Right? I, I choose my hands as well. I feel really tingly through my hands and through the bridge of my nose when I get into that really orgasmic state of pleasure. So um, so I know for me, that's like where I can experience pleasure. I know my partner's totally different, right? So it's, we're having a conversation about our bodies and like literal experiences of sensation. And um, and once you kind of get to that point, it's it's easier then to be like, all right, now we can we can talk about how do we elicit those sensations in one another, right? I know that your hands get really 
um, tingly. So what can we do to make that happen? How can I help facilitate that for you, right? Rather than taking responsibility for your partner's pleasure, it's like, I want to support you in experiencing that pleasure. What can I do? How can I help you in this? And, and that's the kind of ball that starts to get rolling, I find. That's beautiful. I love that. I'm gonna, I, I want to borrow that exercise. That's a fantastic exercise. The stick, I really like that because I think it's hard. There's really so much happening when you're having a sexual experience. Like a lot of us don't, especially just imagine how out of our bodies we feel on a normal basis by ourselves. Like I will go through a whole day sometimes, or I used to, I don't do this as much anymore, but you know, go through a whole entire day where by the time I get in bed at night, I'm like, what did I even do today? Like, I'm so out of my body that it's like, I'm just on auto drive or autopilot and I'm not feeling in my own self. Now add another person in there and add the pressures of sex. And if you're having some relationship woes and you're having sex because you know, your partner wants it, but you don't really want it because you're not feeling sexy because you weighed some weight. And it's like, there's all of this stuff on it. And yeah, it's really, it can be really difficult to just slow down and breathe and have an experience or have a conversation like that minus your genitals. I mean, I think that's fantastic of like, let's just get into your body. Um, something that I do with my clients to help with this is I'll do, it's a pretty quick breathing exercise, but it's essentially just grounding yourself and placing yourself where you are. It's, it's a body scan. It's, it's a simple body scan, but just thinking about, okay, how do my socks actually feel right now on my feet? I know I have socks on, but okay. How do my socks feel at like encompassing my foot? How do my pants feel on my legs? How does my ass feel sitting in the chair? You know, where is the chair touching me? But it's becoming more aware of the way your body is being manipulated throughout the day. And then, and I don't mean manipulated in a bad way. I mean, manipulated just, you know, you're sitting in a different way. You have a watch on that's squeezing your wrist. And then how does that happen in sex when you're starting to get into the throes of it? Okay. What if you just focus on your mouth? My lips are touching their lips my tongue is touching their tongue. Like if you're, if you bring yourself back into the present, instead of thinking, oh my God, I hope they like this. I hope I get hard. I hope we can get wet. You know, uh, what if I come too fast? I'm feeling so much pressure. I'm going to black out, you know, like whatever it is, <laughs> but coming back into the moment. And I think that's really beautiful, especially with a partner where maybe things have become very routine. Maybe don't even focus on your genitals, just have sex with your mouth for a while. Cause isn't just penetrative. You know, it's not just about I'm entering you. It's like the sex is the whole shebang, baby. It's from dinner until going to bed. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you use the, um, yeah, using dinner. I, I use this analogy that sex is like food. And if we like, if we're only having sex one way, it's like eating one meal for your whole life, you know, and, and like that might be a great meal, it might be your favorite meal, but if you're eating it every single time that you're hungry, it's, it's going to get pretty boring pretty quickly. You're going to get, you're going to get over it, right? Could be 10 years that it takes you to get over it. Could be a month that it takes you to get over it, but eventually it's going to become boring. So, um, so I use this idea of like an erotic menu and I, I can't credit the person who came up with this idea because I can't remember who it was, but um, so idea is like when you get hungry, you choose from a menu, a meal to eat, right? Uh, so when you get horny, you choose from your erotic menu, a, a meal, quote unquote, meal to, to satisfy your, your horniness or your hunger. And for a lot of couples, there's only one thing on their erotic menu, which is penetrative sex, right? Heterosexual couples, oftentimes that's the only thing. So, um, so one of the things we, uh, why I do with couples is like, what else can you add to your erotic menu, right? As a couple, what other things can you add on there? What other dishes can you put on this menu that you can choose from that still satisfy your sexual needs, right? That, that hunger, um, but uh, add some variety in because, you know, this penetrative sex might be a meal that is too much for you, right? You might not be that hungry or your partner might be really hungry for it, but you aren't, right? You only kind of want a little appetizer. It's like, okay, what things can we add into this meal um, to, to make sure that everyone's kind of getting their needs met, everyone's, you know, feeling satisfied and satiated, uh, but no one's kind of crossing their boundaries and, and eating too much, so to speak, or not eating enough. So, um, yeah, all of, all, like, and all of that is, 
essentially is just a, a fancy way of describing broadening your de- definition of sex, right? From 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 dinner, from from eating together, and you know, connecting with one another, all the way to the next morning, and and maybe even debriefing after sex. Like, oh, that was a great night, or I didn't really like that, and and having a, a conversation. Yeah, I I agree, and I think we at the end of the day. Yes, there is a lot to learn about sex. Yes, sex is a muscle and you exercise it and you learn it just like you would with anything. But also it can pretty much be broken down into some simple like, okay, communication is really great. Like you can start having sex by just saying like, I can't wait to feel you inside me later. Like something that triggers, ooh, that was hot or that's out of the ordinary or that's something exciting or coming up behind your partner when they're cooking and just like grazing their breasts or like giving them a hug and kind of like pressing your pelvis into them. Like those little things can just start to excite the senses. And we forget that those small gestures add up like that kind of thing. We're human. So any, any navigation away from the norm is exciting. You know, not every time, obviously it can be not exciting too, but (laughs) like we're talking about in a pleasure center here, like in a safe space, like that feels good. And it, it doesn't have to be these elaborate things. You don't have to go out and buy like a huge sex toy basket. It can be little tender touches or a little spank or eye contact or holding your partner's face when you kiss them to show some passion or some like, you know, uh, so that's okay. It can be little. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like something that is coming up for me is like confidence is related to or connected to comfortability, right? Like if you're comfortable in your own skin, if you're comfortable with your own sexuality, like, you know, about what turns you on, what turns you off, you're, you know, you're, you're comfortable having a conversation with someone asking them those kind of really vulnerable questions about what it is that turns them on, what their boundaries are like that for me is confidence. You know what I mean? Like the, the, I think they're almost, almost synonymous, you know, those two words, but, um, but I wanted to, to kind of ask you if, you, if that's what you kind of feel as well, if the comfortability and being comfortable with those things is something that equates to confidence. Yes, <laughs> without a doubt. I mean, that's when when I talk about sexual confidence, you know, that's a term that sort of just popped up for me, but it's becoming more and more clear to me when I will have calls or have clients that it's almost impossible. That's a, that's strong language. It's very difficult to have extremely fulfilling sex. If you do not know what you like yourself. Sure, people can introduce you to things. Sure, people can give you a great experience. But if you don't feel confident in your own pleasure template, if you don't feel confident in, I know what my pussy looks like when I orgasm, if I don't feel confident in, okay, I'm able to stand in front of a mirror and look at myself in the eyes and say, I love you. I'm talking, these things take people a very, can take a while to get to, but I, I have so many clients that will come on and just say, I'm having this issue with sex in my relationship. And my first question is, what is your sex like with yourself? What is your sex life like with you? Because it almost, I'm not going to say never, but infrequently it has to do only with the union. Typically it has so much to do with people who will say, I have not masturbated in five years. And it's like, okay. Stick your fingers inside yourself right now. (laughs) You know, I don't, (laughs) and I don't say it like that, obviously, but it's like, okay, tonight I'm serious. Like you are going, if you have to, I don't care where you are. I don't care if you have 10 kids, you get in the shower. And when you're washing yourself, I want you to put your fingers inside of you. If you feel comfortable with that, because, oh my God, we have to get back into our bodies. And so The idea of being sexually confident is really the tail end of holistic confidence. It's the tail end of I'm comfortable expressing myself because people might be very high achievers, high earners. I'm comfortable expressing myself in a boardroom, but they may be, you know, shaking in their boots about saying to somebody, 
I'd like it if you lick my clit a little bit harder or put more pressure on it or, you know, put your fingers in me. So yes, sexual confidence has so much to do with knowing your own pleasure. I mean, I don't think you can be sexually confident without that. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I've never done a study on it, but I, (laughs) it it seems like. (laughs) Intuition's there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The intuition's there. Mm. So. I have a, uh, I have a similar thing with the men that I work with. Um, I have the opposite scenario kind of happen is these men, the men that I work with are masturbating a lot. And, um, and, and I, I say to them like, look, if you want to have better sex with your partner, you've got to start having better sex with yourself. And even like, uh, I'll often say this to them is like, you'll have sex more times with yourself throughout your life than you will with another person. So how's that relationship, right? How's that, you know, sex life, um, you know, going for you and, and so reframing the way that they masturbate to you know self pleasure, you know, and, and offering that as a reframe is really helpful. Um, and just exploring pleasure that doesn't, like we said before, doesn't even involve their genitals as well. Like how are they experiencing pleasure in other areas of the body? And once that kind of light bulb goes off for them that they can experience pleasure that doesn't have to be, you know, phallocentric, doesn't have to be cock centered, then they can extend that to their partner and be like, oh look, I don't actually have to use my cock to try and give her pleasure because I can experience pleasure in other areas of my body. She can probably experience pleasure in other areas of her body. Let's have a, you know, let's, let's have an exploration of that. Let's have a bit of fun. Let's, let's have some play time and, and kind of explore that with one another. And, um, and I, I, I think that's really important is coming back to self and, and building up that relationship with your own sexuality and, and having that robust understanding. Um, Cause you're right. That is the foundation of, of a good sex life is, is a good sex life with yourself. And, and once that starts happening and, and, and you kind of shared this was like what I found is the more confidence and comfortability we have with our sexuality, the more that ripples out into other areas of our life. I found like if you learn more about your sexual self, feel more comfortable having those types of conversations, communicating about them, being open about what turns you on, what your boundaries are, you very often will be able to feel more comfortable in the boardroom, right? Or feel more comfortable in your job or in a relationship with your parents or talking to your kids about something or whatever it might be, but like asserting boundaries and like asking for what you want. Like one of the easiest ways to do that outside of the bedroom is to learn how to do it inside of the bedroom because it'll ripple out. Um, It's oftentimes like the, I say in the bedroom, but being sexual, um, I don't want to limit sex to the bedroom. Um, but, um, but like in a sexual setting, if you're like, which is kind of like a high pressure situation, if you're expressing what you want and asking for things that, you know, that are very vulnerable, like if you can do that in that scenario, you you can do it in any scenario. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's like you said, the tail end, that's like the, the high pressure situation where you're saying these things. So, um, I think that's, yeah, it ripples out into other areas of your life. Yeah. So there are a couple of things that I want to say after what I just listened to. And one of them is the idea of like, I think in general, human beings take life a little bit too seriously. I feel that way about the bedroom too. Shit. Like imagine that your body is like a playground. Like there, there are all these little places that you can explore and it's like, well, let's just try it. I mean, who knows? Maybe you can get off from your freaking armpit. I don't know. Put a dildo in there. Like put on some lube and put some dildo in your armpit. I don't know. You know, like I'm really freaky because it's like, I can't imagine not playing. It feels very creative. You know, your sexual center is also your center of creativity. When you explore your sexuality and you explore these kind of like erotic fantasies that you have, you naturally are more creative in other ways because it's the same chakra. It's your, it's the same energetic root. And so when I allow myself to open up and to be more creative and to express myself sexually, even when I'm just with myself, when I try different toys on myself or I masturbate on the couch instead of on my bed, or I, you know, watch myself in the mirror or draw, draw a bath and light candles and like have a moment in there with myself or if, you know, like I fuck myself with a dildo or something like those different experiences make me feel it's exciting. It's like your sexual center is it's creative. It's fun. It's robust. And so to avoid that or to not play on your playground 
feels like a crime against humanity. You know, like, come on, you can do this. And so let's not take it so seriously every time. Yes, there's a lot of pressure. Yes, yes, that area of life is so sensitive. It's so vulnerable. It's kind of the climax, if you will, of the human experience. It's like, we expect that everybody has sex. We expect that it's going to be good. And nobody wants to be bad at sex. You know, like everybody wants to have, be a good lover, I would say. And so, yeah, if we just kind of take some of the pressure off of it by saying, it's okay, weird things are going to happen. Like you're going to try to put a butt plug in and it's going to slip out and like fly across the room. You know, like things are going to happen. It's going to be strange, but sex is kind of strange. I mean, have you ever thought about, so the other day I was listening to, uh, one of my friends was talking about it and he's like, you know, sex is this weird thing where all these things that would never normally fly, fly. For example, if you just said to somebody at dinner, like, let's lick a butthole tonight. That sounds like something that just shouldn't really happen. Like, why would you ever lick someone's butthole? (laughs) You know, but when you're in a sexual setting, it's like there's, it's something that turns on and it's this like animalistic way of being that I just find it's so hot and it's so fun. Just, just go. Yeah. There's, um, I I think of it as something turning off, right. As our like inhibitions turned off, right. Like Uh those things that would be holding us back are just like, you know, as soon as we get arousal going through our body, as soon as that pleasure starts flowing, it's just like, boom, those things are out the window, social norms out the fucking window. Um, we don't, we don't need them in this situation. So I like the, um, yeah, I resonate with that totally. Um, and something that I'm, I'm curious about, and, um, you mentioned it a little bit before when we were talking about your own, uh, journey, but is the, um, the stigma and the taboo of being like a sexually confident woman, right? So I purposely asked you, I use the language, a sexually confident human being, um, because I wanted to circle back to this and, and specifically niche in your, your experience and what you've done with women around being a confident woman, you know, sexually, because there's, there's, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I've noticed a shitload of stigma. So I wanted to, to speak into that and, and ask for your opinion and maybe some advice on, on for women that are maybe feeling like they're coming up against that resistance of stepping into their sexual selves because of that, that stigma. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it can be tough. I'm not going to say it isn't. You know, I... I want to recognize my privilege right now in that I'm, I'll list a few. I'm educated. I'm well-spoken. I'm beautiful. I am able-bodied. Like there are so many things about me that I feel I'm able to explore more without resistance. I'm white. I'm pretty straight because of the way that I am in the world, I feel like I face less resistance than if, for example, my body looked different or my skin looked different or my face looked different. So my personal experience is one of a lot of people I feel like have rooted me on and been like, wow, what you're doing is so empowering. Little did they know behind closed doors, I was panicking, right? I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? especially women have really rooted me on, but in the dating scene, it's different for me as somebody who's now single. And in my later twenties in dating, I realized that it takes a completely different type of man to not only be okay with what I do for work and what I talk about for work, but also to be enthusiastic about it. Like, it's not okay. I can't be with, it it limits my dating pool significantly. You know, I'll, I have on a dating profile, like I'm a sexual confidence coach. People are like, that's cool. And then they see my Instagram and it's like, whoa, okay. You are not just a sexual confidence coach, but like somebody who's really passionate and can be like masculine about it a little bit. And like, you're really going for it. And so That has been interesting for me to be met with. It's not that people are saying to me, you're too much, but it's again and again and again, I receive those messages from my into, like, I'm feeling that like, whoa, okay, that's too much for me. And so part of being sexually confident is just recognizing that you are going to be met with resistance you will not be for everybody because a lot of people are not confident enough with their own sexuality to meet you in that place. 
So if you're going to own it and own your sexual confidence, which I cannot recommend highly enough, (laughs) I cannot recommend it highly enough, just know that there are going to be people that think you're too much, but I would way rather be too much than to be too little. I don't want to be little. I don't want to hide and shrink and make my shoulders more narrow. I want to live my life leading with my heart open and feeling really great about myself and my body and my sexuality and to be having orgasms. Like, sorry, I'm not going to fake it, bro. Like I'm going to have an, you know, I want to have an orgasm. And so, yeah, (laughs) things I would recommend for people who do want to start feeling more sexually confident. I cannot think of anything more. Number one, aggressive for me to recommend. And number two, more powerful than to watch yourself masturbate. Videotape it if it's just for you, or if you want to send it to someone, don't put your face in it because it's the internet. (laughs) Watch yourself masturbate. And I say this because so many people with vulvas do not even know what their vulva looks like. We're terrified to look at it. So my mantra is know your pussy like you know your face. You, we know our faces because we're obsessed with our faces. We get Botox, we get injections. You know, we are constantly wearing sunscreen because we don't want to age. Like we know all of this stuff about our face, but your vagina, which is literally the center of your body, your vulva, the center of your body, will pretend like it doesn't even exist. Like it, we don't see it, but it's the most complex, beautiful. It gives life. It sheds every month like a snake. It's like it's this incredible place. Your clitoris has more nerve endings than the whole penis combined. Like you literally have this whole, and correct me if I'm wrong about that. I might be wrong about that, but I think the clitoris has more nerve endings. I could be wrong. Don't call me. Yeah. From what I understand, um, and this is directly from Jessica Pinn, a big shout out to Jessica and her work is there's been no study to date on the amount of nerve endings in either the clitoris or the penis. Um, the only figures that we have come from studies done on cows and sheep. So, oh my god, um, yeah. So there's no. What a mess. There's, there's been plenty of studies showing the innovation of the clitoris and the penis, but none that have a definitive actual. This is a nice even number that we can use in terms of the amount. But the clitoris is smaller and probably more dense than the penis in terms of its nerve endings, right? They're homologous. They come from the same structures of the body. So uh, that's my opinion anyway. I I can't prove that because we don't have the numbers, but my feeling is like, yeah, the clitoris is probably more sensitive because it's denser in nerves. Yes. I'm going with what you said. Cool. Regardless, it doesn't, we don't have to even compare it with, let's just not even compare it. Let's just say that your clitoris on your body is the most, compact pleasure center. And so we must know what it looks like, what it feels like, um, where it's hiding in some cases. A lot of us have shy clitorises. Some of us have more enlarged clitorises. So I'm begging you, if you're listening to this and you've never seen your vagina orgasm, it's a fascinating thing. Watch it. I want you to stare at it. The first time I did it, I cried. But Again and again and again, I watched myself orgasm. I watched myself work myself up into that experience. And I don't think there's anything more powerful you can do for yourself. So start there. Start journaling about your sexuality. What do you like? What are things that you fantasize about? What are things that you wish could happen? What are things that you'd like to hear? What are things that you'd like to say? And start materializing that. Put that out into the world. I want to experience something like this. I want to hear somebody say this to me. I want to feel the breath of somebody else on my ear. Start saying and putting into the universe what you want and start owning exactly that, what you want. Because that as a woman is even tough sometimes. Like say what you want and you can start with little things. When somebody says, what do you want for dinner? Say something. Not, I don't know, whatever you want. No, what do you want? (laughs) What do you want? If somebody asks you what you want, start saying what you want. I want Thai food. Even if you're not really sure, say it. Because I want you to be comfortable saying what you want. Because it starts outside of the bedroom too. 
Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I, I offer like similar advice. If you have trouble putting up boundaries and saying no, practice that in other situations as well. Like if someone asks you to do something, tell them no. You know, practice your no. Practice saying, you know, practice voicing a boundary because it can be really difficult to then have the, the that kind of pressure. You know, we talked about in a sexual setting to um, to to voice a boundary in that situation as well. So similar advice is like go and practice that. Go and learn what it feels like to say no. Go and learn what it feels like to put up a boundary. Um, what what it feels like to negotiate a boundary as well. Right? Have experience with with that um, in a non sexual setting so that you can then learn how to do it right to skill and then bring it into um, a sexual context um i i have another uh question this is the the reverse question which is uh what can men do heterosexual guys do to help their to help facilitate their partner's sexual confidence Mm, i love that question i love when i get this question because it's like yes thank you for asking that I would have conversations outside of the bedroom or wherever you typically have sex. If you constantly have sex in the kitchen, have it outside of the kitchen and start just talking about sex in a way that you may talk about other things. If you're looking for homes that are on the market, you talk about, oh, what kind of a kitchen would we like? What kind of a bathroom? How many bathrooms do we want? How many bedrooms do we want? maybe bring it up in a way that isn't so threatening. One of the things that I recommend against is when you're in the heat of the moment, saying to somebody, you know, and I'm guilty of this too, I've done this to people, but it's like, okay, tell me what you want. That can be very triggering for people because then you feel like, oh my gosh, number one, I don't may not know what I want in this moment. And number two, now I'm ashamed that I don't know what I want because somebody who's good in bed would know what they want. So you start to like, spiral. And so I recommend having conversations kind of gingerly and outside of the bedroom, like, Hey, I was thinking that, you know, we can do something kind of different tonight. What, what would you like? Have you ever had a fantasy about something in bed that you want to try? Um, or maybe let's stop by the sex shop this week. I think it would be so fun to go explore, or do you want to explore our bodies? Like I think there are ways that you can talk about it where it's empowering without being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's empowering without being, what's that word? Pressure. It's escaping me. It's the coffee. Um, but it, it, it's, it's exciting without intimidating. I'm looking for intimidating where you can explore these concepts without being extremely intimidating with it. Because the unfortunate part of this is, and I talked about this on the sex den, is that a lot of women really don't know what they like. So saying, I want you to feel amazing. Those kind of words. I want you to feel amazing. I want to help you have the best orgasm you've ever had. I want you to know you're safe you're safe. I don't care what your body looks like. I think you're sexy. I think you're beautiful. I don't care what face you look like. If you look like a wild hyena when you come, I don't care. I love it. You know, but saying those kind of things, because as women, we are self-conscious because there's that narrative that you mentioned before about men being so visual. We feel like, oh my gosh, if I have a role or if I'm doing this one weird position or, you know, what if I'm having an orgasm and my face doesn't look like what it looks like in porn, you know, or if I make a weird noise or what if I queef or I fart, you know, like there are all of these nervous things that happen. And so letting us know you're safe. I am excited to explore with you. You can even say there's no pressure. Like, let's just use our bodies like playgrounds and see what happens. But I think overall that this was a lot that I just threw out there, but overall you can lead a conversation about it and ensure that they're safe. It feels good to feel safe. So you're safe. Let's talk about this outside the bedroom. Do not do it in the moment. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that as well. And I, um, yeah, I, I resonate with it deeply and, and something that I share with men in the work that I do is like, um, 
what does it look like to be a sexual leader? And the the way that I frame this is like leadership, not in a hierarchical sense where you're delegating things to another person, but leadership in that kind of really lateral horizontal sense where you're leading by example and you know, how, you know, how do you show up in you know that sexual context? How, how comfortable are you? Um, how are you initiating conversations? Like, what are you bringing to the table? Be, you know, be the example for how, you know, you want your partner to show up as well. Like if, if, if you're wanting to help your partner with their confidence and their comfortability, model that, right? Show up in a, in a kind of confident, comfortable way. Uh, initiate conversations in a, um, you know, in a non-sexual setting. Have those, have that, that leadership, right? Take the lead, not because you um, are trying to, uh, control someone, but take the lead out of compassion, right? Take the lead because you deeply care about this person that you're in a relationship with, um, and and kind of reframing leadership in in that regard. So yeah, I love the the advice that you just shared there as well, and feel like I could keep talking to you for for hours. I am um, I just read this. Well, I'm, I haven't finished reading it. Probably by the time this podcast comes out, I will. A book by uh, Jane Ward called The Tragedy of Heterosexuality, which is this yeah, which you touched on a little bit earlier, which is like um, when you were talking about dating, uh, just like men, like men love women, but also a lot of men have this internalized misogyny and also like really don't like women. And, you know, so this, this conflict that's kind of happening in straight culture, right, for straight couples is this uh, internalized, uh, what Jane Ward calls the misogyny paradox, where men desire women but also then have this like negative um attitude towards them as well with regards to sexual openness and sexual confidence but that's kind of also what they're looking for so it's like this really weird kind of dynamic so i'm i'm interested to finish the book and see what she says and then have more conversations about it yeah i can't i'm gonna buy that right now because you know it is so interesting. It's almost like this is kind of, the way that you just said that triggered something for me because it's almost like they, I don't want to um, be too broad with this because it's not every man. I'm never talking about every man or every woman. But what I've experienced in my own personal journey is that the people that I'm with think that my sexual confidence is really great, but there's almost something about it where they would have rather led the conversation about sex and about exploration than having me already be into it as well. It's like, I almost, it's, it's almost this interesting thing where it's like, because they are not the freakiest one or they're not leading the conversation that it's like, I'm too much. Like she's too much, even though they, they want to have sex with me, but they're not wanting to date me. And it's this really interesting thing. Cause I'm like, before I started the sexual confidence coaching, I'm not tooting my own horn, but like dating was very simple. It was very easy for me because I just was more normal. I was a professor with long hair and it was like, I was more wifey material. And now I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is such an interesting experience for me because I'm leading the conversation about sex. I'm saying, what do you like? And so it makes me question my own dialogue with people. Should I step back a little bit and kind of let them lead the conversation? The answer is no, I'm not going to change who I am. <laughs> the answer is step up. You know what I mean? I'm not going to step down. You step up. <laughs> but yeah, that is so interesting. I can't wait to read that book. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to learn more about it and like I said to have more conversations because I think it's something that hasn't been called out just yet. I think there's especially like in the I've I've stepped back a little bit from the spiritual community because I've kind of seen some things and been around some stuff that I'm like, oh, doesn't I don't think that's super healthy or super beneficial. So I've kind of taken a bit of a step back and more into the academic space which i feel a little bit more comfortable in at the moment um so I'm, I'm interested to kind of bring some of those conversations from that you know the the feminist critique of straight culture and these um these kind of academic conceptual things that have been put into journal articles that haven't really made their way into like the sacred sexuality tantra spiritual space yet i'm, I'm kind of interested to bring those conversations in and see how people react because i think it's gonna it's gonna stir some shit up that that's so interesting that you're 
having that experience because I was just talking, I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before about how I want to actually get back into academia and start doing studies. Like, I love that, you know, that critiquing culture for me is something that's so fascinating, especially now, you know, I I got my master's almost five years ago now. And I was doing like feminist communication theory and stuff like that. And I miss it. And now coming at it from this lens, it's like, oh, that would be so fantastic to write and conduct studies about this and actually publish them in journals. That would be great. So I'm think I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of people that are that are interested in that. So maybe I'll have to get a little uh, group chat going, and we can all link up and and see if there's some some studies in the making. I feel like there might be. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. Pleasure set communication. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Well, um, thank you so much for spending the time. Uh, I know it's been a big 24 hours for you, so I appreciate you uh, uh, setting aside this time and, and having a chat and just being open and honest and and confident and comfortable. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. This is exactly what I needed. I've been looking forward to this all week. So thank you. You're amazing. What you do is amazing. I want to just honor you and say, keep doing it. We need you, Cam. Like this is really important. So thank you. Thank you very much. I'll, uh, I'll let you get back to it and I'll uh, talk to you real soon. Perfect. See ya. Bye. Bye.